Welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview health and wellness practitioners across the globe to see what sets them apart. You will find out why they not only teach and talk about health, but how they walk the walk as well. If you ever wanted to see what others are doing on a daily basis to get healthy and be able to implement in your life, then you're in the right place. Also, I'd like to invite you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com and take your free brain health quiz today to see where the health of your brain lies. And for taking the quiz, you will get a copy of my book for free, The Four Morning Secrets to Perfect Brain Health, shipped to your door. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski. And welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 45. In today's episode, I interview health rebel Michael Roselane of the Rebel Health Tribe. Be sure to stick around for the end to hear all about the rabbit holes we dive down, learn what speaking at Paleo FX was like, as well as find out what Mike's favorite video games were growing up. Just a clue, there were a few. Alrighty, guys, got an, another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast, and on the line today, I have Michael Roseline with the Rebel Health Tribe. Now, Michael, first question I ask everybody who comes on the show, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. 10 sentences or less. All right. Typical upbringing, suburbia of USA, uh, a lot of processed foods, fast foods, and Garbage, uh, athletics kept me reasonably in shape despite my own diet. Then 20s, college, drinking, bartending, partying, eating all kinds of crap and pizza and gaining tons of weight. And then late 20s, I started working out again, found the Czech Institute, started my own business, training, found FDN, started coaching, and went down the whole, uh, I don't know what you want to call that, natural health rabbit hole. Yeah. So it's been a long process, and um, about eight years later, I'm much better off than I was before. Fantastic. So where are you at on your health journey right now? Like, What are you really uh, kind of diving into as it is currently? Uh, right now, I'm working on my hemochromatosis, which is a condition uh, I have elevated iron. A lot of people are anemic and have low iron. Uh, I wish I could sell them my ferritin, but uh, <laughs> I have excess iron, which causes a whole lot of potential risk factors for cardiac disease, for strokes, for all kinds of problem, oxidative damage in the body. So uh, it's it's mainly genetic, and the only way to really treat it is uh, giving blood every so often, well, as often as you can, which is literally my least favorite thing on the planet to do. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I have like an obscene needles phobia. So it's like some sort of messed up joke on the part of the universe that I would get the condition that like I'd rather have a condition that involved like stabbing yourself in the feet with forks. <laughs> and I instead have to go donate blood. So I'm working with a bunch of world class practitioners to try to figure out if uh, there's some other things I can do that'll bring it down so that I have to do that less. But um. Pretty much that's my number one thing right now, and uh, just I'm in my mid-30s, so as far as training and exercise and sports and things go, I just moved to San Diego about a year and a half ago, so I'd like to be able to enjoy doing 
those things and I'm noticing I get way more sore now than I used to. So um, having to pay more attention to mobility stuff and, you know, recovery time and, and being smart versus just being able to go do whatever the hell I want and be invincible. So I think uh, those would be, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Now, do you have any recommendations? Like, okay, if somebody is worried about excess iron consumption, uh, like, are there any things that you can do to help, like, block iron uh, absorption? Because I thought, like, if you, I was told if you eat dates, like, when, when you eat, like, red meat, like, something high in iron, that it actually helps to block the absorption. Do you know, is that true? I'm not really sure. I don't know. That's not one that I've heard. I know black tea uh, can block iron absorption. Yeah, that's but it's another not, one. Yeah, okay. It's not necessarily that you don't necessarily want to block absorption. It's more like when your body takes in iron, there's different things it can do with it. Okay. And if you have the condition that I have, it tends to put like a ton of it into storage form, which is ferritin, which is what they test for anemia. Men don't even often get their ferritin tested. And it's about 1% of the male population in the U.S. has hemochromatosis. And most men never find out because their doctors never test their ferritin levels. So um, about one in a hundred guys are walking around with an elevated risk for a whole bunch of things and don't know it. But lactoferrin is a, a supplement that can be taken that binds to iron. Um, so that can be helpful in managing it for some people, but it really, there's, I don't know. I'll let you know though. That's what I, I've, I've pretty much part of what we do at Rebel Health Tribe is bringing together a lot of doctors and practitioners and the smartest people in the room in whatever room I go into, I say, hey, you, I want to interview you or have you on a webinar. So luckily, I have some amazing contacts with some of the best in the functional medicine world. So I've kind of, um, I just, I'm running in another extensive blood panel on Tuesday. I've ran my genetic test. I've done a hair test. I'm doing all these things. And then I'm going to throw it all at this team of people I've put together and say, hey, what do you guys think? And so I'll report back to you with what they tell me. That sounds awesome. Uh, I'm lucky to have that type of setup. I do want to talk about the Rebel Health Tribe a little bit more. But before we get into that, I was going to ask, is there anything or are there any common like sign symptoms that males can look out for that present? Or is this kind of something that's all across the board? Not really. Uh, fatigue. Poor circulation. It makes the blood thicker, essentially. So anything that involves filtration, you'll have sometimes elevated liver enzymes on a blood test or like liver issues. Uh, it can present as kidney issues. Anything that involves filtration of the blood, essentially, because the blood is thicker and then it would be more of a hassle for the body to deal with it. Um, not so great at endurance training. Now, I'm mostly like a sprints power type body anyway so i don't know how much that had to do with my like hatred and loathing of distance running and soccer <laughs> practice but it does affect endurance i'm really curious to see like after i've donated a few more times if i notice like a a drastic you know improvement in training where i'm like oh this isn't difficult anymore yeah, absolutely uh, i had a hell of a time adjusting to altitude i spent six months living at seven thousand feet in arizona and I never felt good, uh, really, the whole time I was there. So I don't know if it had anything to do with that. But mostly subtle things that take a long time to develop. The iron will cause oxidative damage, which uh, is like rust, essentially. Uh, that same process happens inside your body. And it will cause oxidative damage, which is more along the chronic disease lines than along the like acute symptom 
thing. So that's why it goes unnoticed. And everybody's so damn sick anyway. Um, <laughs> you no, know, and that's it, what it, I was it's not like too. you get a yeah. headache or you have pain in your right elbow or something. Yeah. You know? No, and I I was thinking that when you said it, like, okay, some of these symptoms, it's like. How many people, first of all, are even going to notice that they're having those symptoms? No, most them? people just feel like crap anyway all the time. Right. So, yeah, unfortunately, hey, got to get it tested, I guess, if you want to find out. <laughs> uh, but no, now we did, uh, you did bring up the Rebel Health Tribe uh, because I was looking into this and you, you sent me some emails like we were talking and I love the way that you described it, kind of like Netflix or Hulu of health. Uh, but please, I mean, expand upon this for the listeners because I think this is something that's awesome that I'm actually really excited to hear about too, please. Cool. Yeah, man. Uh, it kind of happened by accident. We, um, about three years ago, maybe-ish, I uh, created this online-based health and nutrition program. Anyone who works with clients that's listening to this, that does the type of work that, that we do, you would know that you tend to teach the same stuff over and over and over and over and over to people. And when I started doing FDN type work, that's a lot more involved, involves lab testing, a lot more very personalized recommendations. And I was finding that one, I was charging more for consults. So the clients were paying more to be talking to me. And two, I was teaching them the same stuff over and over again, which I didn't feel like was worth the money that they were. I wanted to spend time with them on them. And I wanted a way for me to get all that information across to them that I would want anyone to know in some like automatic type way so that I could say, hey, watch this and then we'll talk. And then I can just talk to them about them. And so I created this online based program because I was a teacher before I did this. So putting together classes and and putting together information to get like I was trained to do that. It comes pretty easily to me, but I didn't have any marketing skills. So I spent about six months on that program making it and I sold like nine. And um, and I think <laughs> let me stop you for a second, because like you said, a lot of the other like, there are a lot of practitioners that listen to this, too. Yeah. And I mean, I've developed things like that myself and it's like. I, I've gotten much better, and I know, but I can definitely relate, and I know there are a lot of people that can relate to that, where it's like, you pour your heart and soul, like you said, six months of your life, and how many hours, like... I made like six goes, cents an hour. Yeah, it, when, you come <laughs> down, when it comes down to it. Yeah. But, so yeah, like, I, I think this is something like people are definitely uh, going to be into or can learn from. So yeah, please keep going. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we made I made that, and then I kind of just gave up on it. But I still had it. I still had the content. And then about a year and a half, I'm looking at my calendar. Probably about a year and a half ago now, <laughs> my now business partner Joe, he contacted me through the FDN forum. There's a really active FDN group in Facebook. And he contacted me to do uh, an interview with him on on stomach acid and how adequate stomach acid is vital for the rest of digestion. And I was like, well, you know, what's this for? Why do you want to do this? For the record, we've never done the interview. But um, <laughs> I did all my prep work for it. I've even got PDF hands out, handouts. I give him a hard time about it all the time now that we've never done it. So when's it going to be done? I, I asked him, like, what is this for? And he said, you know, Sean Croxton, I'm, you're probably familiar with yeah. Sean, has a digestion summit coming up in like yep. three months. So I'm sending out a bunch of digestion related material to my list to like build towards marketing his summit. I didn't know that was a thing. Like I didn't know like online marketing and affiliate marketing. I'm like, so you, you're just you just send emails and promote. Th and I'm like, wait a minute. I got off the phone and I thought I should talk to him about my program. So I called him back and said, I have this program. Uh, you want to market this? Could you market this? And he looked at it and said, this is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. 
And then we decided to team up and we thought it would be really easy, but it was about eight months of work to turn it in from what it was to what it became when we launched it in March of 2015. It was called, it's called Primal 90 and um, it went from 10 videos to about 40 videos and 35 interviews, like a summit style thing. So we did a whole summit, but that's like a bonus on top of the course itself. So we launched that in March and we launched it as a one-off. Like you buy this program, you own the program, whatever. But we kept adding more and more webinars and more content and more interviews to it that we realized like we need to turn this into a membership thing because we keep adding Absolutely. stuff. Yeah, and yeah. so that's where it kind of came up to uh, being more like a Netflix or a Hulu. So now uh, we've got a ton of free content on the site, tons of articles, tons of videos, webinars, all kinds of stuff. But then for the premium area, we have the whole program and uh, we're putting together a discount club. We've got like 30 companies where they get a discount. Uh, our paid members get discounts on stuff, about 70 webinars and interviews, meal plans, all the guides and checklists and tools we use with clients are in the program. So it's basically a whole self-study course with continually new stuff. Like we just finished a whole series on fertility, pregnancy, birth, and nursing, and we're calling it Healthy Babies. And so that whole series goes right in there. But anybody can watch this stuff for free while we're doing it. And then it goes in into the member library. So it's kind of like Hulu. You can sign up for free for Hulu. You can watch the things, but there's commercials or you don't get to see everything. Uh, we've kind of set up a similar a similar situation without even intending to. It just kind of evolved into that. And uh, we made it like nine bucks a month. So it's one of those things that anybody could could afford and um, has like wide appeal. So a lot of practitioners, coaches, doctors, people are just sending their people over to us and they use it as a reference. Like, hey, you know, you were working on gut health with you. Uh, watch these videos in this module of this program and our videos explain all the things about digestion and gut health and, and all of this. So it, it's a super useful tool for professionals. And then for these health detectives that there's thousands of them now, like these people who, you know, go to the doctor and they're given a pill and the pill makes them more sick and then nobody tells them what to do. And then they find some article online that tells them statin drugs are bad. And then they jump down this rabbit hole and they find themselves on blogs all night and reading this thing and watching this thing and spending thousands of hours. We're going to try to just create a place where they can go to cut down that time spent, that energy spent. And we bring in the best practitioners and doctors and people we can find to just put all that information in one place. And, and break. <laughs> no, that... It's, it's that pretty cool, pretty man. Awesome. Like, we're really excited about how it's, how it's turned out and how it's going. And when we come across other professionals, like, they now know about it and they're really yeah. excited to be involved and they want to write articles on our site. They want to do webinars with us. And now I'm getting emails from people who I used to, like, be shocked if they would return my email. Right. And now they're emailing us to ask us if they can do whatever with us. And I'm just like, oh, my God. That's cool. So yeah, cool. sure. Yeah. What time? Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll walk to Mexico to talk to you. Like, I don't even, you know, it's just really cool. Um, it's cool to be able to do something that you really love to do and help people in the meantime. And I can, I can see just the passion for you, like, talking about this. It's And just hear it in your voice. Like, that is amazing. And I know, like, I, I looked at, like, just some of the, the people that you have on the webinars, like, all, all the names and stuff. It's like, I, these are people like, yeah, I'm reading their stuff. I'm watching all their stuff as is. 
so and to get it all in one spot that that's pretty awesome to have them too and it, it helps them out too like i'm learning that that networking and and building those positive relationships back and forth i mean I've met some practitioners who are world class in their knowledge. Like I consult with them on clients or they're the ones I'm going to to help me, but they might not ever have really received any business or marketing training. They might not have a big audience. Like some of the best doctors and practitioners I've ever come across, they have a hard time getting patients and clients. And so we're trying to find people like that and give them an audience because now we have a pretty sizable audience so we can give them a platform to reach more people the people get the awesome content you know everybody wins Absolutely, and um yeah. we just find that uh if we figure out a way to help all these practitioners and doctors out also cross collaboration now a whole bunch of our contributors our practitioners and doctors and people I see them on each other's summits. I see them on each other's podcasts. You know, they're writing the foreword for her book or whatever. And it's really fun to kind of be that like place where everybody comes together. And um, I introduce, oh, you need a thyroid specialist? Oh, here's Dr. Jolene Brighton. She's fantastic. Or here's this. And so. And that um, just increases your validity that much more. Like for, for you, it's like, okay. I'm not the guy to talk to, but you know what? I know who is. No, and like, I tried to be forever, and it almost killed me. Like you tried I'm to one be of those for everything, right? Like you try. Yeah, to have to, yeah, I want because I mean, you're a Czech guy, you know. Like when we learn that, and then you hear like Paul talk, and he knows like <laughs> every damn thing about everything, and uh, and so I just wanted to be that. Like I thought, oh, Everybody I'll learn that, everything right? about hormones. I'll learn everything about gut health. I'll learn everything on mental, emotional, spiritual stuff, which that's the hardest that you want to, I fought that forever myself. And that was the game changer for me. But like, you can't be awesome and super knowledgeable at everything. You, you just can't. And I found that my skills now and things I enjoy are the networking, are the connecting people and bringing people together and hosting interviews and writing webinar questions. And, you know, I like building these online based educational programs. We're going to start hosting retreats and workshops uh, this year, in-person stuff. And anything I like coming doing up, anything, that. Uh, anybody can look forward to yet or not quite announced as of yet? We're looking at one in July or August in Northern Ontario. Okay. It's three hours away from any cell service, six hours north of Toronto on a lake that you can drink out of. I've only been about, how far north? Six hours north of Toronto. I've only been about three hours north of Toronto. I gotta I've keep never going. been north of Toronto. So <laughs> at first I was like, uh, I live in San Diego. I'm from Chicago. I spent most of my life there, but I hate the cold. So okay. when my buddy was like, yeah, Northern Ontario, I'm like, dude, no, how about we go to like Costa Rica? And he's like, <laughs> no, but it's uh, July or August. It's warm enough to go swimming in the lake. It's totally pristine. Yeah. And the best blueberries in the world grow exactly where this place is. And it's on First Nations people's land. Uh, it's, a, it's an old nation, uh, First Nations healing lodge and all this stuff. So we're looking at that. That's not for sure, but we are going to do some sort of retreat this year. And we want to set up a bunch of like single day workshops in various cities where we come in for a day, bring a bunch of the people that you'd see on our site and do a full day of like, you know, seminars or hands on yeah. stuff or whatever. They get to meet the people that they're seeing on the webinars. Everybody wins and we get to travel. Right on. Because traveling's fun, man. Like I'd love to just fly to Portland for a day and teach a thing or go to wherever so where's the top place in the world that you want to travel to wow 
I'm going with my wife to Nicaragua for two weeks next month, and I'm pretty excited about that. The The Caribbean and Central America is pretty much like my favorite, but I've never been to Asia and I've never been to Europe. So Florence and Italy is somewhere I'd really like to go. I love New Orleans, and I want to go to Thailand. What about these places speak to you? <laughs> Food. <laughs> that, like that's the way to my heart as well um, okay. yeah combination of like food and culture I just I'm one of those people that likes to travel to eat but um, Central what America what are, you, what are you looking to get what are some of the foods that you're just like die hard about or you want to get to to try I don't know if that's appropriate for a health show but uh, <laughs> well New Orleans anyway that's my favorite food city and nothing there is something I would recommend people eating but um, with yeah, Central America thing, if you, you can at least get some oysters down there like I you that's, can. That's what I think. I just you can also I, get like gumbo and etouffee and jambalaya and everything. But um, Central America is not as much about the food. It's more about the ocean, the surfing, the the slow pace of life, the cheap cost of living. Things just aren't as like I'm gonna not be reachable on my phone, which is like worth a million dollars to me. So uh, I haven't taken two weeks off since I started my first business in 2008. So it'll be my first two-week span not answering emails in eight years. That's awesome. And then Thailand, I have friends that are digital like I am, like so they can live anywhere, and they tend to go to Thailand and spend time there. And I think that you learn more from traveling than you do from books or from watching anything. I, my traveling in my life has been really beneficial in a lot of ways, like cultural education and learning how different people live and What's seeing different the biggest- lifestyles piece of education that you've taken from your travels how blind and closed off our society is here like Any we specific? don't we don't know much about what goes on outside of the united states and that's much different in other places uh there i don't know how to even explain it it's almost like we live in this bubble I with agree. like yeah. celebrities and reality tv and other nonsense like on the walls of the bubble and you can't see outside of it because we're dangled all this distracting crap in front of our face all the time. And um, we're also much more isolated and separatist in this country. Not as a whole, like, I can't say as a blanket statement, but community and family are much bigger in other places that I've been. Um, like, I said, like, I don't know anyone. I'm looking out my windows right now. and I don't know anyone who lives in any of those houses across the street. Right. When I was in Aruba, I stayed with my friend and his parents who live there. They know everyone on every street. Like it's um, it's just a different uh, different pace of life, different priorities, and not as superficial, I guess I would say. So let's let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, sure. You mentioned uh, like all the reality TV stars or whatever, like every all these celebrities and stuff like that, and that's that's a big vice for people. What would you consider to be your biggest vice? Well, until about a year and a half ago, I'd have answered craft beer, but I don't drink anymore. I bartended for eight years. Okay. So um, I love craft beer and I love good wine. And um, Hold that on, used to be let's my. Let's go down the wine path because I can relate yeah. to that. This is something uh, JP Sears and I talked about a little bit too. So give me, like, what's either your favorite wine or your favorite type of wine? My favorite type of wine is Malbec. That's exactly what he said. Really? <laughs> yeah, that, that, I talk to JP pretty often, but we've never talked about wine. Uh, so that was that was the one. That, well, I don't know that that I don't remember if that was exactly his favorite, but that was he said like this is one like he told me to try, and I so I tried it fairly recently, uh, and I thought it was fantastic. I was I was a fan great. myself. It's not as dry as Cabernet. It doesn't right. suck all the moisture out of your mouth. 
but it's not super sweet like candy either. So yeah. it's uh, it's really good. But uh, we've got a wine shop like two ho- like right on the corner by my house, and I've gotten a bottle maybe twice since we've lived here in about a year and a half. So yeah. it's not. Um, I'd say that my old like my vices was my previous lifestyle. Like I was a bartender. I live like I didn't go to sleep before midnight once for probably ten years. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And now that I know like how damaging that is, it's incredible. Like I didn't get sicker or heavier than I did. And um, I used to have pretty severe depression. I had skin issues. I had social anxiety. Like I had to be hammered to talk to somebody or, uh, you know, loosen up in some way yeah, or absolutely. whatever. And um, so I think my, my vice is that when things get stressful or I get have difficult challenges or come into a situation where I don't feel entirely comfortable, like subconsciously, like my first instinct is like to resort back to previous things. Like I either want to eat some sort of comforting food, which to me growing up is like crap food or like order a pizza. If, if anybody had an awesome day, I'm from Chicago. So if anybody had a great day <laughs> or a shitty day in my family, it was order a pizza. Like it was, you know, whatever. So either, I guess, facing emotions is, is the most difficult thing and accepting that sometimes it's, it's okay to feel uncomfortable, it's okay to feel frustrated, it's okay to feel sad, it's okay to, you know, those uncomfortable emotions and not, you know, going for a beer or a wine or a slice of pizza. The same thing that all of our clients struggle with. They just may not be as open about talking about it or able to identify it. But I'd say that and... For someone who spent years as a personal trainer and who works in this industry, I don't particularly enjoy training. Like, I don't like working out. I get really strong really easily. I could be a power lifter if I wanted to. Like, I have the body <laughs> for it. My friends who lift like crazy get pissed at me because they're like, dude, do you know how strong you can be? Like, yeah, could I went up. from zero to 400 pounds squatting in six months. But I don't care. Like, I don't like it. It's boring to me. I'd rather hike or surf or do something else like boxing, martial arts, like something that's like, um, but even that I, I push myself to do those things. I don't naturally like, I'm not one of those people that just like wants to run around all day and do all these things. And I know that stuff's good for me. Um, but I was like a video game generation kid, you know? And so, um, that's something I, when I admit that to people, it tends to build a little more trust with them that, you know, a lot of these trainers, like, you have to tell them they shouldn't work out five hours a day. And you couldn't pay me to work out five hours a day. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy with my 30 minutes of kettlebells. I love kettlebells because you can get super efficient with it. Yeah. I can just bust ass for 20 minutes and it's like, boom. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I would say resorting to old habits and not particularly enjoying working out. Okay. All right. Uh, so I'd rather sit on the beach. <laughs> which is three blocks that away so if you go. ever come to san diego i got a spot there you go <laughs> <laughs> uh one of the things you were talking about like okay the the overcoming of anxiety like the facing emotions how did you do that for yourself how did you start to overcome those because you said it was tough before without a glass of wine a beer or something like that how did you get to where you're at now where i mean we're talking and hey you've been doing all these interviews talking with all these people what changed yeah. for you well, it wasn't a glass of wine. It was like multiple bottles of wine. Okay. But um, <laughs> but uh, a glass of wine wouldn't have done much. Um, I also have an inhuman tolerance to alcohol, which is not a good combination a good for a drinking habit. No. It's very expensive. Uh, well, I wasn't able to handle it, so I masked it and hid from it and coped with it in unhealthy ways. But um, it started 
with taking HLC1, and JP was my teacher. Mm -hmm. And I had a really weird weekend that weekend with JP because he's weird and awesome. (laughs) Absolutely. he recommended a few books or a thousand books. I, st- I just recently found my notes. That was 2009. I yeah. just recently found my notes that I took during HLC1. And it literally says on the paper, and I just showed him this, this guy is weird. Like It says it on the paper, and he's like, <laughs> I, I'm so happy you wrote that. That means I was doing my job. Oh man, that is fantastic. So, and then we became friends. Like, I've stayed at JP's place when I visited San Diego, and like, he, he's, I talked to him, I share a lot with him. He's, he's probably been the most instrumental person for me personally in my own growth. At first, kind of from a distance and from what he taught me at HLC. And then I did some one on one work with him and talked to him a little bit more in depth, and he's helped me through a lot of things. But some of the books he recommended during HLC, uh, I remember some stuff from Eckhart Tolle that I read, A New Earth. I remember listening to the audiobook of that, and I had like an aha moment while driving under a bridge on my way to Cleveland, Ohio, of all places. And it like shifted my perception when I finally understood what he meant when he says that we're not our thoughts, we're the observer of the thoughts. And like that doesn't make any sense unless you like sit and think about it. But when I realized that I had the control to like acknowledge or not like to think how I wanted like to I could let those thoughts like make me crazy or I could choose to let them go and not. And it like clicked in my head that we're the watcher of the thoughts. We're not the actual thoughts themselves. And it like clicked and I was just like, ding. So that was Tolle's books were cool. Um, I'm not Buddhist by any stretch, but I've read some really cool Buddhist books. Um, Pieces Every Step is a great book. Anything from Pema Chodron is awesome for anybody who's had like hard times or death in the family or losing loved ones. So a lot of reading, a lot of audiobooks. JP and um, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown is a fantastic book about the power of vulnerability and uh, talking about it. Like if we'd have done this interview two years ago, I wouldn't have told you half the things that I've already said. Because in this industry... There's a lot of people who who are either totally fake. I haven't figured this out yet. They're either total bullshit fake or they've been like Mr. Healthy, super clean their whole life. And so, you know, they were the collegiate athlete and they've eaten organic food since they were born. And, you know, they've never had a sip of alcohol. And um, I smoked for almost 10 years. So like admitting those things and that I had those struggles and that I used to drink and I was a bartender and I was overweight and I was unhealthy and I smoked and I ate Taco Bell. I used to love Taco Bell. I used to drink cases of Dr. Pepper. Like that stuff, I didn't tell anybody like the first five years I was in the industry because it looks bad. Like it's, um, I thought it did. I thought it, I thought it would exclude me or, or reduce my credibility or right. I was ashamed of it. Like it was hard to talk about. And um, since I've decided to just be totally transparent, I view my past in my history now much more as a strength than something to be ashamed of and doing things that are hard or scary is the most important thing like that Brene Brown that author I mentioned with Daring Greatly that's what she writes about is like vulnerability and shame and that we allow ourselves to be held back so much because we're not willing to put ourselves out there or put ourselves in a position that's scary like I spoke at a paleo fx conference this last year to like I think it was 140 people or something in the room. I was 
terrified. Like, and I've taught, I taught high school. I taught junior high. I've taught classes and workshops to probably tops before that was like 40 people at once. And then there was just this room and I'd been to that event before as a guest, like a attendee. And I was speaking like opposite like Dr. Terry Walls and like some other like big time. I'm looking at this sheet and they're like, why is my name on here? And um, I was so scared to to do it. And I got up there and they darkened the room way more than I had anticipated. And the lights were coming from the back of the room at me versus from above. So I couldn't read my notes. And I was like, oh, no. And I had this like mental <laughs> vision in my head of like leaving and of my wife like following me outside and being like, Mike, you got to go in there and talk to these people. Like it played out this whole thing in my head that didn't even happen. Right. I could have been three seconds or I could have yeah. stood there for 10 minutes. I don't even know. And uh, I don't even remember doing the presentation and I crushed it. Like everybody loved it. And I had a line of people down the hallway outside to talk to me afterwards. It was on like environmental toxicity and the myth of detoxes and cleanses and whatever. And they got awesome feedback on it. And I got invited to speak at these other things, but I was terrified. And what I've learned over the last few years is as a general rule, if something's really scary to me, I should probably do it and that it's okay. And things never go as bad as we think they could like the worst case scenario in every situation is usually just made up in our head and even if it does happen it usually isn't nearly as bad as like we would think it is and it usually ends up in some like hilarious uh like oh i totally screwed that up but it was awesome and uh so i guess just being willing to be vulnerable and um do things that are scary that's what got me from where i was to to now and I still get I still get nervous. What's um, what scares you right now? What's on the horizon where it's something that you're scared about doing? I just announced last week that I'm taking my last two clients ever so that I can move full time to like doing what I do for Rebel Health Tribe. And that's a financial gamble. Like that's mm -hmm. a because client work, I mean, th there's money there and it's stable and like now that we have this audience, like I can always get clients. Like, I'd rather put together this team. What we're going to do on our site is bring in a bunch of those doctors and practitioners, bring them in on our site, and then have somebody fill out like an application. And then I recommend them who I think would be the best for them. And so we're going to switch to that instead, which to me, like, I'm more passionate about growing this huge thing and changing the world and reaching thousands and thousands of people. Um, but it's a financial gamble. Which I can always go back to it, but still you don't like to like fail at things. Absolutely, yeah. Even if there's a fallback, like taking that gamble and not succeeding. Um, and we're not by any means like where we need to be long-term wise as far as like our, our business. Like we just launched that, mem launched that membership model like two, three months ago. Like we're trying to build something that doesn't exist. We're trying to do something new in the industry that nobody's done. We're trying to create a new thing and like shake up our whole industry and evolve it a little bit past the typical like summit event model um, that it currently is in. And um, it's a risk. It's a gamble. And anybody who owns their own business knows that just about any decision you make is a risk or a gamble. And so that's kind of scary just to see where everything goes. Like we tell everybody, I mean, us in the coaching thing, like find something you're passionate about and follow your passion and whatever. That's not a guarantee for like financial success. <laughs> I know so many awesome people in this field um, that struggle. And I, str I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills for like the first 
seven years I did this work. Like it's, and nobody provides business training to, to coaches and trainers and doctors and therapists. And if they do, they charge like a zillion dollars for it. And people in our field don't tend to see the value in it. So they don't do it. Or we all have this, or a lot of people have this um, scarcity mentality where we almost feel guilty for being successful. Like we're raised in this, at least a lot of us are raised in this thing where we have an unhealthy relationship with money or success. Like I hated marketing and sales until I met Joe and him and our web marketing guy, Carl, have basically beaten that out of me. But uh, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> but we kind of balance each other. Joe really likes marketing and I'm like that, like, that sounds kind of yucky. Like I don't, I always equated marketing with sales, car salesmen. And so everything always seems slimy to me. So to be able to get over that and promote what I'm doing, you can do the best stuff in the world. And if nobody knows you're doing it, you're not going to help anybody. Yeah. And that's how I, you know, that's uh, that's scary. Like it's all uh, I'm not comfortable promoting and marketing. So when I have to go on something and be the face of our business and talk about what we're trying to do, like um, I we now I have a partner. We have well, basically two partners, another employee. Like now, there's other people depending on me doing a good job getting people involved in what we're doing. So it's uh, that's scary too. So I would say that mostly that on a personal end of things, aside from business, scary. Um, I don't know. I'm not really scared of much. <laughs> I was a skydiver for three years. I used to jump off planes for kicks. So as far as scary, um, <laughs> tough to beat that. Yeah, I dig scary things. There you go. So. It's weird though. I've always dug scary things like as far as like uh, surfing and s swimming with sharks and skydiving and driving way too fast, which I don't do anymore. Thank you, state of California. Um, <laughs> expensive tickets here. I, uh, I've always been into like extreme and scary stuff on, a, on like that, but it was always compensating in some way, I think. Like I was always into outwardly like, oh, I love all these scary things, but then like with business stuff and like emotional things and personal things, uh, I was like the biggest baby on the planet. So I don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. No, that's that's great stuff. And I think like I would jump off a plane at night blindfolded before I would have like a real conversation with someone about anything of substance. Uh, no. And that's what I was gonna say. I think uh, a lot of people can actually relate to that because you just you gave a perfect example there. Jumping out of the plane blindfolded at night versus <laughs> do we really have to talk about this right now? Yeah. Like, like it, the, it, expressing fear or like any emotional anything. Um, yeah. especially with men in our society, like uh, there, a lot of the guys that are listening to this right now are just like tensing up, like, yeah, it's you, dude, I'm trying to make it, you like... uncomfortable. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> but, uh, JP would be way better for this topic than I am, but, um, it's ingrained in us, in our culture, like to show fear or emotion or vulnerability or sadness or anything. Brene Brown's books talk about like women deal with it in the aspect like if they choose to have kids, well, if they don't choose to have kids, they're like the demon. Right. If they choose to have kids, they have two options. They can either go to back to work and have a career and be a career mom and have like daycare and stuff, mm -hmm. which they're demonized for not spending all the time with their children, or they're a stay at home mom, in which case they're demonized for like not contributing to society and having a job and having a career. So and they're throwing away their whatever. All they do is take care of kids. It's like, how is that? All yeah, you do? all like, you do. Yeah, get out of here. I work with a lot of moms and it's insane. So like, <laughs> anybody could go sit in a cubicle for eight days or eight hours a day. Right. You go run around with six little kids. We have listeners who will say, I have seven kids under the age of 12. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> 
talk but, about um, scared. Like they're so fear women right deal there. with that, but men deal with like it not being allowed to speak their truth, like not being allowed to show fear and to have tons of pressure on them to be the provider and the they have to be good at this or like I don't know how to fix anything. I don't know how to build or fix anything. <laughs> I don't know what to do with like a a drill or a saw. And there's times where like I'm made to feel like I'm worthless because of that. And I don't allow it to take hold, but I used to. And like I don't know how a car goes. I turn the key and I push the pedal and it goes and when it doesn't I call a guy and he looks at it and overcharges me because I'm ignorant and then it's fair. So um So you gotta take those networking skills and get get into get other guy. industries so you, you yeah. at least have hookups for those. Yeah. I did back in Illinois. Now that you move out of state, man, you you don't know anybody and it's yeah. all like you know, you lose all that. But I think with men, you know, it's they can't show vulnerability. Like they they it's weakness to show that you're sad or that you're scared or that, you know, any of those things. And then they lash out and act like pricks. Like, then it's, you know, the bravado. Then it's the overcompensation. I used to be a main, I got in fights. I was a bouncer for a little while. Like I started boxing because so I could fight and not get in trouble. Like I used to get in fights a lot when I was younger and I was always smaller, but I was like the psychotic guy that would attack someone twice my size. Right. So the bar was like, yeah, hire him. He's crazy. Um, until I got hit with the bottle. And then I was like, oh, that's enough of that. So I used to fight. I used to be aggressive. I used to be cocky. I used to do all those things to compensate for like low self-esteem and low self-worth. And I see it all the time now. I'm not going to call anybody out driving muscle cars or giant trucks. But um, <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But uh, I see it a lot now and I identify it right away. And I'm like, I used to be that guy. And... I almost want to be like, dude, it's okay. You can like, you know, show people who you actually are. And odds are they're going to like you better anyway. Because really the friends I had that liked that version of me aren't people I still talk to. Right. And aren't people, they now feel threatened by me. Like they're, people get defensive. Like, I don't know if you've done a big shift in your life at all or change your life at all. But when you do, and this is, I run into this a lot with clients and spouses, um, when they're going to change the way they're eating or they're going to start doing all these healthy things, their partner or their friends try to either sabotage them or like make fun of them or put them down or prevent them from doing it in some way. And we interviewed JP about this for one of our modules on our program specifically about how to navigate that situation. And he basically said, like, you have to look at them with compassion and understand that they're scared, like they're afraid that you're making yourself a better person or you're in some way improving yourself or you're doing something they're not, they don't love themselves enough to do or they're worried you're going to leave them or you're worried, they're worried you're going to be too good for them or like what, and they're going to lose you or you're going to be a different person. They're going to lose that person that you were. And um, I didn't know all that smart stuff when I was doing it. So I thought all my friends were just being jerks. But in reality, it's, you know, it's just they're scared and they're defensive and yeah. So when you're trying to make those changes, like be compassionate of the people that are, uh, I don't want to say nervous or scared, but you know, not supportive. That makes sense. I don't know how we got off on that, but that was. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah. I I, I know I can relate myself. Like, but you're just talking about that. Like, it's okay to talk about stuff like, all right. Yeah. It might, it might be really awkward. It might be really uncomfortable, but 
afterwards, you're going to yeah, not, not like, scary anymore. Yeah. It's like, why the hell did I wait five years to do that? 10, yeah, 20 like, years, whatever I had a, it is. I had a conversation with my parents about, oh, about nine months ago that I had been terrified to have like my whole life and I did it. And I was like, I could have done that when I was 17. <laughs> Like, you know, or like there's things like that all the time. Like, that's what I meant by like, nothing's as bad as you think it is. So, I mean, it's just being yourself like that. That's so cliche. And I've heard it since I was like 10, you know, be yourself, be yourself. And when you're little, you're like, shut up, old man. You don't know what you're talking about. And uh, it's really true. Like, if you like playing weird card games, play weird card games. If you, you know, whatever you want to fly kites there's a park over there and there's this dude that flies these giant kites where he has to like strap himself in like he's got arm straps and harnesses and all this stuff he's out there almost every single day by himself flying these giant kites in the park of his life i'm sure yeah sweet dude yeah (laughs) i saw it and i was like i wonder if i could strap that thing onto myself and jump off a mountain but i um, thought you were gonna grab one of those surfboards in the background there maybe do uh, that i'm not good enough at surfing to Uh kite surf or any of that stuff that's that's (laughs) 10 level 10 expert i'm like level two can balance on the board and small waves i just started and starting surfing at 35 isn't recommended i think most of these i see kids out there that are like nine and there's in and out of the waves (laughs) jumping all around you yeah i grew up where the water's frozen you little bastard but um (laughs) you drill you drill holes through it to fish and then yeah like jumping on it and whatever you like to do and you know it's uh I spent way too long being somebody else that I thought people would like. You lose track of like who you actually are when you do that, I think. Or who I'm supposed to be around what people or how I'm supposed to act. I was like that chameleon who had all the different groups of friends in high school and I would be friends with the jocks, I'd be friends with like the skater stoner kids, I'd be friends with the metalheads and whatever. If those groups ever got together, they all hated each other. And I had to act a certain way in each one of the groups and like I always knew, like, I didn't really fit in over there, but those were the cool kids, and you wanted to be friends with the cool kids, so I'd have to act like the cool kids, and so I'd put on this show over there and this thing over there, and that's helped me a little, like, as a a professional, like, adult-wise, because I can get along in a group of people where I don't necessarily want to or be somewhere, like, I can do that, but um, I should have just hung out with the people that were the people I wanted to hang out with. And the people that you'll accept, you know, and vice versa and not worry so much, like learning to not give a damn what anybody thinks about me is like the most important thing that's ever happened. And it's the hardest thing to do, I think, you know, like us, us weirdos in this industry, most of us at this point don't give a damn what anybody thinks because we're doing this. Because (laughs) if if you did, you wouldn't be doing it anymore. Exactly. And people think you're crazy. When I got back from HLC one, I was just like, Oh my God, because it was all new stuff. Now a lot of that stuff's way more common knowledge, like things about like organic food and grass-fed things. And people have heard about it. They've seen the labels. They've seen, you know, whatever. Versus six, seven years ago ago, when you took it, yeah. It was like, what is this crazy redheaded freak talking about? (laughs) And I came back and he taught us Did he have the hair at the time? No, he had short hair. Okay. He grew his hair out to look like me. You can tell him (laughs) I said that. But uh, he's admitted it on camera. So, um... The ball. He made us make this like chi Absolutely. ball. Absolutely. I remember because I had him as my HLC1 teacher as well. Yeah, and it was so cool. And um, a real quick little story about JP's wizardry. I walked in and I'd heard he was weird. And so I, and I was like a bro then. Like I was like a, yeah. a bro. Like I liked fighting and I didn't like 
sp- uh, spiritual things, and I I definitely wasn't hippie, and I didn't like anything. Which is odd that you even made it to the class. Like that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Just because Paul was such a beast, I watched yeah. his videos, and I'm like, this guy's an animal. I'm gonna go to this class so I can be an animal like this guy. Instead, JP turned me into a freak. So I went in there and I went up to the front of the class to get my binder from him. And I shook his hand and said, uh, you know, hey, I'm Mike, you know, uh, and he goes, you're the one with the dog because I had brought my dog and my dog was in the hotel and he'd seen me out front with the dog in the morning. It's like, yeah, I'm the one with the dog. And the whole time he was like awkwardly holding my hand for an extended period of time while we were shaking it. You know, like the extended hand holders on handshakes? Absolutely. And I was like, what is this guy's problem? And he looked at me square in the eyes and goes, that's interesting. And I'm like, what is interesting? He goes, I'll tell you at the end of the weekend. And I'm like, what? man, this guy sucks, this weird hippie freak. So I went back and sat down and then he did some crazy... Uh, which I now know was like muscle testing mm-hmm. and and stuff and triggered this like crying attack. And this guy, when we were talking about people's emotional attachments to food, JP did some hocus pocus wizardry to him. And the guy was sitting next to me and I was watching it with like pure skepticism the whole time. And it blew me away. What And it's that's a long story, but it, it, it just blew me away. And then we did the chi ball and we did some of this other stuff. And so by the end of the weekend, I was really curious. I had totally changed over the three days, but I was really curious as to what he thought was interesting on that first day. And so at the end of class, um, everybody kind of went up and said goodbye to him when we were leaving. And I go up there and I said, so um, what did you think was so interesting when you shook my hand on Friday? And he goes, I figured you'd be caught up on that. I could see he was like trying to figure it out all weekend. And I'm like, so are you going to tell me what was interesting? And he goes, well... What did you get the most out of this weekend? What did you think was the most interesting this weekend? Or what was the most like intriguing to you or beneficial to you? And I said, well, the weird Yoda wizardry stuff you did and the chi ball and all the energy stuff was probably the most interesting to me. And he goes, well, that's what was interesting to me. And I go, what do you mean? You could tell I was going to like take to that and, and be able to do it and whatever. And he goes, well, yeah, obviously the second you walked in the room, but I could also tell that when you walked in the room on Friday, you thought all of that stuff was bullshit. And he didn't use words like bullshit in class. He was using my language. Right. And I was just like, how did, what? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool, whatever, man. And he goes, no, it was great to watch you change over the three days, but I just thought it was fascinating when you walked in because you have that energy and you didn't even know it. And you didn't even believe it was a thing. And I was like, thanks for putting me in my place, you redheaded freak. But um, it's funny. He gets brought up in like every interview that I do with anyone. You've had him on your podcast? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he moved away from here like the month I moved to here. Oh, really? He moved He's to South Carolina like the month I moved to San Diego. And I was like, man, we could have hung out and weirded people out on the beach. Yeah, you figure but, it out uh, a way, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, so anyways, that's that little tidbit of a story that's funny that people like to hear well here i like i have one or two other questions but before i get to those i need an answer to something that's been in my head that i wrote down before what's your favorite video game wow you you grew up a video game junkie kind of thing like yeah i would say it evolved from like zelda and mike tyson's punch out yeah on nintendo (laughs) 
Dude, I just got a hair a barber. I went to a hipster barber shop in Chicago like two years ago, and they had a Nintendo set up in the lobby with a fridge full of PBR, and <laughs> they had Punch Out, and I was able to enter the code to fight Mike Tyson off my head. Like I put my hand on the controller, and it just did it. Like my hands it. just did it, and he crushed me. I couldn't beat him anymore. But uh, Zelda, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and uh, Mario Kart the original Mario Karts and the more Mario Karts. And then I almost failed out of college due to Tony Hawk and Bond, yeah. uh, GoldenEye, and Grand Theft Auto 3. And that's about where I ended my video game career. Oh, Madden. We turned Madden into like a drinking game in college, which we own property rights to if anybody hears that. But um, <laughs> right around 2003, I think I retired from video games. So now when I try to play them, it's like I'm like the old guy that used to try to play them when we were little and they couldn't use the buttons. And we only had two buttons. Now they have like 27 buttons and a headset. I couldn't even figure it out. I don't even want to look at it. So it was like, yeah, I played a game like a year ago. I have a couple of friends who are still into games and I tried to play a game and I just one of the games where you shoot like aliens or something yeah. and I just got massacred in like two seconds. It was like, nope, too old for this. But uh, those are my favorite video games, nice. I'd say. Nice. So, all right, all right. Let's, let's kind of bring wrap it up here. I want to be respectful of your time. I mean, this has been sure. awesome talk here, but one of the last things I ask everybody is, who would you want to hear on this podcast? Wow, that's interesting. Do you like pretty much, because uh, before you introduce yourself to me, like I live in my own little bubble and I'm oblivious to what's going on. And po I haven't, I've listened to maybe three podcasts in the last three years because I am down buried in the world of making my business. But do you stick mostly to like fitness and health people? How about this? Who would you want to hear on? It doesn't matter. Like it, it is but Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan and what, or okay, Aubrey so Aubrey Marcus, if you know who he is. Joe Rogan, Aubrey Marcus. Yeah. And all right. Probably what? know Joe Rogan. You might not know Aubrey Marcus. Yeah, I know of Joe Rogan. Aubrey Marcus. All right, so I'm more intrigued by Aubrey Marcus more because okay. I don't know who it is. So cool. what would you ask them or what would you want to hear them talk about? Along the like not giving a damn what anybody thinks of you lines, those two are like my heroes in that regard. So I'd like to hear from them. Were they ever like consumed by what other people thought of them and let it dictate their lives? And if so, how did they break that? How did they stop caring and like be themselves and whatever? Um, I used to loathe Joe Rogan when uh, he did Fear Factor. Uh, I thought like, who's this obnoxious goon that they have hosting this show? And then um, I started listening to his podcast like three years ago, and he has on everybody from like everybody film and comedy song. and actors and yeah. I, film and and movies, and that was huge for me growing up. Like I. I used to own over 500 movies, so I almost went to school for film. So that was like a big thing to me. So he has a lot of like my movie film hero people on there and they let loose on his show like nobody's business. And like you actually get to see probably like the whiskey or the joints or something. But they, <laughs> they get to you get to see. But that that's what people need. Like that's what a lot of people like they resort to that to like be themselves. Like I always told people like. You know, I don't know. You like wine a lot. So I'm guessing there's been times in your life where you've drank too much wine and said something where the next day you were like, oh, I wish I hadn't have said that <laughs> or like whatever. But I really don't believe in that. I think that I agree. There are times where you say dumb things drinking or whatever. But it doesn't mean you didn't But mean. for the most part, I was way more honest when I was drinking. 
And you always try to cover it up later and be like, oh, no, no, I was drunk. That was stupid. But like, I think on his, what they are able to accomplish, well, Aubrey's on Joe's podcast a lot, but what Joe's able to accomplish with his podcast is getting people to be real. Like everyone that comes on there is real. There's no like fake nonsense. Like they don't, he asks them real questions and they answer with real answers. And the dude gets paid to just like hang out with his heroes. <laughs> it's like, man, how do I be you? So I guess that that's like our professional goal is to have him on our, our we, we're, we've recorded 13 episodes in January. We haven't launched a podcast yet, um, but we're going to record like a bunch and then release it probably in February. But our goal with the podcast is to get him on it. Nice. Very so nice. That, that would be my, my thing. And once I saw what he does, um, plus the guy trains like an animal, I believe he now only eats the meat that he hunts. So, I think I did hear him say that. Yeah. I think he started doing that, which I'm not a hunter. Like I've never held or fired a gun in my life, but I respect that. Yeah. Like I think if you're going to – that's one step beyond knowing your farmer. Yeah, right. I'm a know your farmer advocate. I'm not a you know, like, your food, know the right? animal advocate. But um, <laughs> generally if you're only eating things that you kill, since we're not allowed to step foot on – food industry feedlots and places uh if you're killing something odds are it's a pretty healthy animal and gonna provide pretty good food so th those would be those two perfect and aubrey you can look up he's a weirdo yeah I'll check him out right. uh so in closing here what what is the one non-negotiable health habit you have that you never compromise on before you answer that everybody has to go check out the show notes over at bare naked health podcast where they can see everything about rebel health tribe everything about mike all the links we've talked about here uh but Finally, what, where can everybody find more about you? Well, they can find more about us and what I'm doing at rebelhealthtribe.com. That's pretty much the main place to go for everything. It's, uh, just plan to spend a half hour there at least because there's a lot going on. That's the spot. And you wanted to know non-negotiable. Well, hold on. Hold on until after okay. the show. Everybody's going to have to go over. So thank All you right. again, Mike. Everybody make sure head over Rebel Health Tribe. Check it out. You're just going to go down all those different <laughs> rabbit holes. and Yeah, come hang out. It. Thanks, man. It was a blast. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to go check on your brain health by going over to the BarenakedHealthPodcast.com and taking the free brain quiz. By doing so, you can get a free copy of my book, The Four Morning Secrets to Perfect Brain Health, shipped to your door. Also, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast positive comment and a five-star rating this really goes a long way in getting the word out and helping to share the podcast with others